Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific stocks are trading higher this morning with Japan leading the way up by 1.21%, Australia is up by 0.25% and Korea is slightly underwater, down by 0.09%. After a strong sell-off over the last few days, stocks on Wall Street overnight ended the trading session on a slightly positive note. The S&P added 0.75% to finish off at 3,963 points. Now this breaks the index's longest losing streak since October. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 0.55% to settle at 33,781 points. The Nasdaq Composite rallied 1.13% to end off at 11,082 points. Now, despite Thursday's gains, stocks are on pace for a losing week with the Dow down by 1.88%. The S&P and Nasdaq are slated to finish off at 2.66% and 3.31% lower respectively. Market movements overnight reflect the overall response of the release of Thursday's jobless claims data, which showed a moderate uptick in claims. So to help us out with this, let's bring in on the show Ryan Huang. Happy TGI with Ryan. How are you doing this morning? Happy Friday, Dan. All right, Ryan. Now, the latest US jobless claims appear to have risen to its highest since February. And overnight on Wall Street, markets responded with a rally. So it seems like bad news is good news. Tell us more about it and what does it provide any clarity on the direction of inflation? Yeah, then that's a great way to phrase it, you know. Bad news for the economy is good news for the markets. And this is where you've got those unemployment benefits rising to their highest levels in 10 months, suggesting that you have Americans losing their jobs at a much faster pace. And that will mean that the economy is indeed cooling off, which is what the Fed wants to engineer. That means they might not need to do as much when it comes to rate hikes in mm. the coming meetings and quarters to come. So that's what's playing out in terms of expectations for the FMC meeting and the trajectory of those rate hikes. So in that fashion, markets are seeing a bit of a relief of sorts that they could see a bit of dulling back from the Fed in the next meeting next week. Mm. All right, that, that being said as well, you know, what else should we be watching out ahead of the Fed Reserve Policy Meeting that's scheduled to happen next week? And how do you think the Fed might approach that as well? Any guesses? Okay, so if you look at what's playing out um, in the inflation space in terms of data, you have the PPI numbers out tonight in the US. That is going to be a precursor for perhaps the CPI numbers for Consumer Price Index numbers next week. So all that feeds into the Fed's thinking about where inflation is going, how much consumers are spending. And to a certain degree as well, China is going to be interesting to watch because of the inflationary uh, impact they might have with the reopening story. As China reopens, it will mean likely the demand for energy commodities, food will all go up and that will lend to the demand side of things and possibly add to the pressure for rising prices. So that could feed into the thinking for the Fed as well. If, for example, the Chinese economy reopens by the middle of next year, the forecast is for energy prices to rise by 20%. Wow. So that's going to be something to digest and consider if you are watching the inflationary picture like the Fed. But of course, they are also watching other things like wage increases um, to a certain degree as well, what's playing out for the rest of the economy when it comes to the labour market and layoffs to a certain degree. So all that 
will be in focus as they watch closely the data that comes through for the next few meetings. Yes, it remains to be seen as well. And then, yes, investors are expecting a 50 basis point hike. So that's something that we'll be tracking as well next week. Now let's move on over to Turkey, where we are seeing a bit of a problem for the oil sector. Tankers full of Kazakh oil are facing delays as they travel through the Bosphorus Strait as a result of Turkey's new proof of insurance measures for vessels carrying Russian oil that's now subjected to EU sanctions and a G7 nation price cap. Now, Ryan, what do you know about this new Turkish insurance rules on oil tankers and what implications might this have on the broader market? Okay, in short, you've got new paperwork requirements by Turkey. Mm. So these new requirements are just causing a lot of pain and waiting time for anyone shipping oil around Turkey. So that's what's playing out right now. Delays. And with the delays, you now have prospects of people who want to buy oil turning to alternatives if these delays last too long. So the market watchers here are saying, you know, if this lasts for another week, it could have an impact on the oil market. Mm. If those buyers of the oil vessels, which are right now stuck, turn to other sources, we could see the prices of oil start to go up and creep up. And that's going to have an impact on, of course, you expect inflation and energy prices. So that's the wider implications of this so-called traffic jam right now in Turkey for these oil tankers. Mm, Right. And it's worth noting as well that this is something that they implemented on their own accord. It's not part of the price cap that was agreed by the EU and the G7 and Australia. Now, Ryan, what do these transit delays mean for Chinese and Indian refiners who remain the largest buyers of Russian oil? Do you think these nations would also start easing away from the Russian crude oil? That could be a possibility, but I think there's still quite a few details to go on here. So we'll probably have to watch out for this one in the coming days. Mm-hmm. All right. So thank you for that, Ryan. Now let's move on over to gaming. Are you much of a gamer, Ryan? Not as much as before, but definitely mm. when I've got some downtime, I love uh, my video games. Have you played Call of Duty? No. Have you? Not really. I I can't really play those first-person shooters. I get a bit of motion sickness. But the reason why I asked was because Microsoft had earlier this week made moves to satisfy concerns by announcing that it would bring the Call of Duty franchise to Nintendo Switch, a rival of Xbox. And this followed an earlier, earlier decision to make Call of Duty available on Sony's PlayStation. And because of this decision, they are now in trouble because the Federal Trade Commission has filed an antitrust case against Microsoft to challenge the software maker's attempt to acquire video game publisher Activision Blizzard, claiming it would violate a US law. So what exactly is this US law that they are violating and why aren't they happy about it? Yeah, this was uh, supposed to be a mega deal. Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard, one of the biggest video game titles or video game studios, And right now, it is attracting the antitrust investigation moves by the regulators. So the fear here is that they believe Microsoft might potentially just make it worse for other competitors if you own so many AAA titles and then not make it available for your rival platforms. It will just mean less competition. So Mm. in the lead up to this decision by the US Federal Trade Commission, we actually saw Microsoft trying to soften the ground, so to speak, by saying they'll make it available for the Nintendo Switch. As you pointed out, it's a rival for Xbox, Mm. some of the Call of Duty titles. And PlayStation, they've also said they would do the same. So they were already, in some sense, laying the ground for 
the potential collaboration with other rival consoles. So trying to say, hey, even though if we own this video game studio, we will still reach out to other rival studios to offer these titles as well. So don't worry about the transaction too much. That's something they were hoping will go down with the US FTC, but the FTC has other ideas and worries. Mm, yes, and this is certainly something to worry about as well. You don't want a particular company to monopolize a sector that would ruin competition. So now let's move on over to our next topic, and it's something that we've discussed before, and that's Elon Musk spending too much attention and time on Twitter, possibly neglecting his other companies. According to internal records, SpaceX, Tesla, and boring company executives are helping Elon Musk at Twitter. What are your thoughts on this, Ryan, and what does this suggest about how his controversial decisions at Twitter are impacting his other businesses? Yeah, I guess it's not a surprise that Elon Musk is <laughs> painting outside the lines when it comes to how he manages his companies. So here you've got the report saying, you no, know, he's got, as you would know, so many companies. He is leveraging the talent from other companies mm. to help out at Twitter, which, as you would know, is facing a lot of turmoil, so maybe they do need that help. But the thing is, you are using assets and talent from publicly listed companies, which are answerable to their own shareholders, mm -hmm. to work at your privately owned company. So that is where the conflict is, right? You're using assets that don't belong to you, so to speak, but work at Twitter. And this is where you've got a lot of, I guess, gray areas to clarify. So Elon Musk has said, he does not consider this a problem because these people who are helping at Twitter are volunteers. That's mm. what he describes it. And apparently, he asked for volunteers and people raised their hands and say, okay. But here is where it's quite tricky because if your, bo if your boss asks you to do something, right, can you say no? That's so that is where it gets a bit tricky, right? Can you say no to somebody who has possibly influence on your career and your paycheck and your bonus down the road? Will you say no to him if mm. he asks you to go to his house to you know, sweep the floors? Oh, I know those <laughs> sort of things. You can't say no to your boss sometimes. How much would you go, Ryan? Um, <laughs> if I really love my job and my boss, I wouldn't mind it sometimes. But you no, know, it does cross that line if at some point. Right, yes, and Musk even characterized his uh, Tesla employees who were working for him at Twitter that it's just a voluntary thing and it's sort of like an after hours if you're interested in evaluating, you know, quote-unquote, helping me evaluate Twitter engineering, that would be nice. He also mentioned that it was very short-term as well. Now, we are currently 18 minutes into the local trading day and yesterday the Straits Times Index closed higher by 0.33% to end off at 3,236 points. Ryan, how is the SEI performing on the Friday? Okay, let's take a look at where we are right now. And across the region, it's been green tracking. What we saw overnight on Wall Street, that sense of optimism heading into the weekend. And that's what we are seeing right now. A slight gain on the STI for the Straits Times Index up 0.2% at 3,242. So that's the picture right now with the STI constituents pretty much split across red and green. Mm -hmm. At the top, we've got the likes of TaiBev, which is trading come dividend. is up 1.5% at 66.5 cents. And you've got Yangjie Jiang shipbuilding and sets behind it. 
At the bottom of the table, you have Singapore Airlines trading ex-dividend down 1.3% at 5.49, followed by Maple Tree Logistics Trust and Sencom Industries, both down by 0.6%. So that is the picture for the STI so far this morning. All right, now Ryan, we're going to play a game of up or down. And if you're a regular on this show, you'll be familiar with this game. I'll be picking a stock or a topic and you guess whether it's an up or a down. Ryan, are you ready? Let's go. Let's go with the first one. Capel, Corp and San Marine. All right, it's going to be an up for me. So they held an EGM yesterday and shareholders, as widely expected, voted overwhelmingly for the merger of its offshore marine unit with San Marine. So... 99.96% of votes cast for that proposal. Wow. So it's going through. That's definitely going to be an up for me as well. This looks like a very good deal and merger between Capital O&M and Sam Marine. Now let's move on over to Far East Orchard. Okay, let's take a look at where we are for Far East Orchard. And I'm going with up. They are buying a 180-bit freehold student accommodation property in the UK, Southampton, mm. for around $22.9 million. So it expands its accommodation, student accommodation portfolio to over 4,400 bits in the UK. All right, that's an up for me as well. Students, we've got more spaces for you to stay. Now let's move on over to A-Smart. All right, A-Smart is a mainboard listed printing and recycling specialist and I'm going with up because billionaire Wee Hong Leong has bought a 20% stake for over $5 million. This makes him the second larger shareholder after Chinese entrepreneur Ma Weidong. Mm. Alright, now on to our last one. Singapore's latest six months T-bill. Alright, T-bills. That is going to be... And up for me, as mm. you expect with bills these days, treasury bills. They have all been seeing high yields, record highs in some cases. And for the T-bill, six months in Singapore, they've shot up to 4.4%, the wow. second highest since the return last peaked in 1988 at 4.73%. So if you're looking for returns, T-bills could be one option to look at. This is certainly something very appealing. Now, Ryan, before I let you go, any plans for the weekends, Ryan? World Cup action, quarterfinals. So, uh, who have you got your money on then? Mm, I'm thinking Argentina. I'm going to stick to it. So, Argentina is playing against the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. So, that's going to be a very, very tight match. I can't make a call on that one. I am going with Morocco, Morocco. to bring another surprise. A big surprise it is. All right, against Ryan. Portugal. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Thank you so much for today. Thanks a lot, Ryan. We will speak to you again next week. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.